Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. I've been uh, asked to give a talk on innovative cath interventions in the cyanotic newborn. Um, obviously, that could entail a fair number of things, so I was going to keep it to a Limiting it down to probably two procedures I'll talk mostly about. Um, have no disclosures, but I will be talking about off-label use of coronary artery stents. Uh, general comments about this, you know, as most of you are all aware, the majority of centers, especially in the United States, perform primary repairs for most cyanotic infants when it's a, you know when when that situation is allowed. And it's usually unless there's significant risk factors, uh, and those include hypoplastic pulmonary arteries. So basically, palliation by default is for high-risk patients. Uh, and that stands to reason why some of the data I'm going to show you, uh, include that for systemic uh, artery to pulmonary artery shunts, uh, carry increased risk. And intervascular cast procedures uh, for the same milieu uh, also faces similar risks. Um, for the talk today, I was going to review briefly just some of the current outcomes we have for surgical palliation in this patient um, as a lead into some of the discussion of the catheter-based alternatives and outcomes, and that's going to include PDA stent and RVOT stent placements. Uh, history, as we know, so the very first systemic pulmonary shunt, uh, most, you know, all of us un are well aware of the, the story behind that, 1944. Uh, but since then, over the last eight decades, there's been uh, multiple uh, different other sh um, shunts created, and uh, a number of these still uh, being used today. Um, and it's sort of at this point thought of as sort of our, you know, as our go-to procedure for cyanotic newborns. And a lot of times we don't give it too much thought past that uh, when these babies are born. So in some situations, why people say, well, you know, so why bother with a whole lot of anything else? Well, partly if we really looked hard at the, the outcomes and especially things that have been um, reported in, uh, more recently, early mortality from, you know, based on a lot of the reasons that we, you know, the, the issues that I mentioned earlier, early mortality still ranges between 3.5 and 16% in, in the, uh, the literature. And late mortality on top of that still includes 7 to 15%. Morbidity is up to 40% in a list of the different types of uh, type of complications that are listed here. Uh, and looking at the, one of the largest set, uh, studies that um, was published is from the STS database, and this was uh, published in uh, 2011. Uh, the study ranged from 2002 to 2009, and it was up for patients under 30 days of age. And in this, they had um, modified blalectosic shunts plus or minus uh, ligation of the, the PDA. So there were 70 institutions, over 1,000 uh, patients. Uh, Cardiopulmonary bypass was needed in 12.4%. There was early mortality in 7.2%. And uh, composite mor morbidity was 13%. And risk factors were found for the uh, mortality were weight less than 3 kilos, preoperative ventilation, and the diagnosis of pulmonary atresia intact ventricular septum. So even early on when I was looking at some of this and just got into intervention and was reading back in this, I was sort of you know, taken back a little bit. Some of these numbers are a bit higher than sometimes you think of just for a general shunt. But again, most of this back to the milieu now of what shunts are, are, are relegated for. And some of the more common things we come across with uh, the morbidity is pulmonary artery stenosis, um, shunt stenosis, uh, and acute shunt failure uh, actually is still as high as 5 to 9%, leading to a mortality close to 30%, decreased overall survival increased length of stay and uh, need for ECMO. So with this, you look at and say, all right, well, can we then, is there other ways, alternatives to try to reduce down some of this morbidity and some of the still a, high, a mortality rate that's still a little higher than we might uh, otherwise accept? Um, 
uh, more recently, the whole concept of leaving the PDA in at least uh, one, uh, one study, uh, about the same time as the STS database uh, study was uh, reported, seems to show improvement in mortality, cardiopulmonary resuscitation uh, need, and also for reintervention. Um, so with that then, how about a discussion then, including some other alternatives that we may be able to help out with in certain uh, situations. Uh, babies are already born with a, a supply of blood to their lungs, and that's the ductus arteriosus. So here it's a, a small child. We were trying to save femoral arterial access, so we use the UAC to shoot the picture. It's um, stop running. We have a still frame on the, the right here. A bit tortuous, but what we can do with this then, we went integrate in this situation, and we got a catheter and wire pass from the main pulmonary artery through the ductus uh, in order to deliver a stent. And with that then positioning, here's what it would look like, placing that stent in the ductus arteriosus. And then afterward, here's a picture showing uh, on the left, anyhow, what that first stent looked like. Uh, we also learned with this that uh, if you don't cover the entirety of the duct, it will close down, uh, even if there's just a millimeter left of it. So we end up having to place a second stent uh, um, coaxially, extending out a little bit more proximally into the, the, the main pulmonary artery to cover the entire duct. But we had a nice result with this when we finished. Uh, they don't seem to be continuing to play, but that's right. We'll keep moving. Um, PDA stent placement, what do we know about it at this point? There's been multiple reports. The majority are small, single-centered series showing feasibility. Uh, comparison to surgery, it typically have been limited to small numbers. Uh, so I'm going to concentrate on two larger multi-center reports that are now available. And these are the ones I'll go in more detail with these. The first one is one from the United Kingdom, and it was uh, um, a study from 2012 to 2015, non-randomized retrospective uh, study design, and they had propensity scoring to balance differences in demographics. Uh, there were 254 infants involved in the study. 171 uh, had shunts with about 47% were single ventricles. The ductus uh, stent group had 83 patients and 44% um, single ventricles. There were 13 failed attempts in this group, and I'm going to briefly mention the outcomes here. There were no differences found between the groups uh, in their study. Um, however, they did find with this that uh, ductal stents seem to have a reduction risk of death. Um, secondary outcomes that included different aspects of uh, time, you know, time to death were not different. And reintervention prior to repair uh, was higher for the stent group versus the shunt group. Here's a Kaplan-Meier curve, figure three shows uh, mortality, and uh, with the shunted group being the, uh, the darker lines, and you can see a steady step off um, from early to sort of mid follow-up, where the, the lines were a little bit better for the uh, the, um, the ductal stent group. Uh, figure four showing um, freedom from reintervention, and here you can see that uh, there was early re, um, an early drop-off for the ductal stent group requiring intervention um, uh, in that population. Uh, there was lower morbidity. Uh, it, these morbidities sort of favored the ductal stent group when they looked at uh, hospital length of stay, uh, ICU length of stay, and ventilator days. So with the study, it was suggested that with the lower mortality and morbidity uh, occurred with ductal stents, with the trade-off being a higher potential rate of earlier interventions. Uh, the second study was a multi-centered uh, study of four centers in the United States, and that was from 2008 to 2015. Again, non-randomized and retrospective. Propensity scoring, again, was done. 
this one had uh, a difference in, uh, in groups that was found with more than uh, two to one BT shunt versus uh, stent group. Anatomic diagnosis were different, including uh, the stent group had a higher uh, expected rate of two ventricle repair. Uh, the the um, ductal stent group also had higher rates of intervention prior to the palliation, as well as a higher rates of anti-grade pulmonary blood flow in addition to the, sh the, the, the duct. Um, the primary outcomes with this, the uh, reported uh, death, hopefully you guys can read that's a little blurry on my screen, it is pretty small, but death and, you know, a composite outcome of death or unplanned intervention was a significant different uh, favoring PDA stent. Death by itself was no different unplanned reintervention uh, for treating cyanosis was significantly different uh, favoring the stent group. Um, complications of the procedure were non-different. Uh, and then the secondary outcomes, uh, again, like the previous study, the duration of ICU stay, duration of hospital stay, favored stent placement, as well as long, longer-term uh, pulmonary symmetry and growth in the CADA index. However, when they adjusted the effect for the difference in the, uh, the study groups, they found that there were no differences in death, unplanned, uh, death or unplanned interventions to treat cyanosis. Uh, however, they had a difference that would favor uh, ductal stents for morbidity uh, and system, um, symmetric uh, PA growth in follow-up. Uh, there's always a question when we have these babies born, you know, it has such a tortuous duct by echo. And here's a, kind of an example of at least five, five of the ducks that uh, I've taken care of. Um, and as it turns out, we've, in all of these cases, we've been able to pass wire and at least microcatheter. And only one, we were unable to, to deliver a stent and uh, thought at that point it was uh, probably a little bit more risk to keep uh, trying. Almost always, uh, once you get the system across it, whatever tortuosity is there straightens out. Um, that can be sometimes a good thing, sometimes you have to cause more cyanosis with it. So typically at this point, once anything crosses the duct, we're ready to, to, to move very quickly to get the rest of the procedure taken care of. And everything does straighten out with the, with the stent in place, as we showed you before. Um, and still sticking with the, the topic of how tortuous a duct is, this was actually looked at by that same four-center group. Um, um, and what they looked at here to find a tortuosity index, about how many turns and how acute angle these were, it's actually a very complex system. However, using this, they found that a higher tortuosity index was associated with the need for uh, more um, re-intervention, but was not a predictor of success. Uh, however, they did find that if you jail the pulmonary artery, meaning you put that stent across the orifice of one of the branch pulmonary arteries, uh, it did not affect the growth of that pulmonary artery. However, uh, it was a factor for a higher rate of re-intervention as well as uh, be needing to be repaired at the time of surgery. Um, so most PDAs can be crossed without difficulty. However, we learned in this, don't be too aggressive or persist too long. Uh, if, stent, <laughs> if the standard delivery system is not crossing easily, if it um, finesses the adage, not fortitude, and we are still very early in our experience, and we need to be very vigilant about tracking outcomes and reporting the data, favorable and unfavorable. Moving to the other topic here, I'm not going to spend as much time. It's uh, RVOT stent placement. Here we see a still frame image uh, showing branch pulmonary arteries with a catheter. It's initially in the uh, right ventricular outflow tract. This is immediately after stent implantation. You can already see improvement in pulmonary artery size just by filling the vessels better. And this is what they look like in uh, follow-up. Uh, there's significant growth of both the PAs, even though there is LPA stenosis. 
the body of recent literature, there are some relatively, you know, reiterate relatively large patient volume uh, um, studies. Some are multi-centered, and there are reports comparing to uh, systemic shunts. Uh, the first one uh, had 35 patients, and this is from a um, multi-center group from Germany. Um, this is a small center. This was the first that showed a, uh, it had a comparison to surgery. It was 15 patients. The largest study has come out of the UK with 101 patients, and this was a comparison of the of RVOT stenting to um, shunt. And the same group actually then looked at uh, pulmonary growth and compared those two modalities. Uh, so not vast numbers of reports, however, the reports are at least are staying consistent with what they have uh, reported. And what they have shown is that the procedural success rate is high, 94 to 100%, and a substantial rise in the O2 saturations. There's a very low rate of procedural mortality, which only rose to 1.7%. There's low morbidity, uh, including those uh, items that are listed there, and the outcomes have been comparable or improved over um, um, systemic pulmonary artery shunts, including mortality, length of stay in the hospital, pulmonary artery growth, uh, and uh, reinterventions. And here they also report that there had similar post-repair complications, and there's always discussion of having to remove the stent from the right ventricular outflow tract. At least it hasn't led in these smaller studies to, to, to be a, an impact, at least on complications. So right ventricular stent placement uh, may be a viable alternative for palliation. Though not without procedural risk, RVOT stents are more straightforward anyhow than PDA stents at times, and for the operator, it caused me a little bit less angst when you're dealing with an unpredictable structure like the, uh, the ductus arteriosus. May, in certain situations, I think improve physiology over PDA stents. Reintervention uh, does seem common, and there, we do need a larger body of comparative data to surgical palliation. So overall summary with this, PDA and RVOT stent placements uh, appear to be a viable alternative to surgical palliation, especially in certain patients. The data suggests that these approaches reduce morbidity and mortality. They may have a higher rate of reintervention prior to definitive surgery. And again, we still have much to learn and define about these procedures, uh, and we need to remain diligent in an academic approach to their use. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.